You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Sports talk with a side of movie quotes. This is the last ball you got in the bag, Roy. You get this one wet, we're disqualified. I can make it across. Well, then do it. This is the Tim Donnelly Show on ESPN Radio 94.1. Is this the offseason? Aaron Rodgers, gone from Green Bay. Maybe. End of conversation. No, I'm kidding. Tim Donnelly Show, ESPN Radio 94.1. The answer is possibly stick around to find out all offseason. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's put himself into a situation where he might be traded. And it might not be 100% what he wants. And that's fine. And it might be what he wants. But but it, the Packers are, are going to do what the Packers are going to do because of how the last few years have gone. For the details, Adam Schefter joined NFL Countdown and was asked about Aaron Rodgers' future. He, for a while, has had thoughts about leaving. This goes back a couple of years. The Packers have had thoughts about moving on from him. That's gone on for a while. At some point in time, they may want to take a look at Jordan Love. There's salary cap considerations. I think that there are going to be moments this offseason where they're going to wind up talking to teams to see whether it's worth it to move ahead and trade Aaron Rodgers. And that, to me, is going to be one of the central storylines of the offseason, moving on from a guy. And just like we couldn't imagine the day would come that they would trade Brett Favre, they traded Brett Favre. He was 38 years old, turned 39 that season. Aaron Rodgers is going to be 39 right now. So there are some real questions about his future and whether or not it's in Green Bay. And both sides still have to figure it out. But there's the real possibility that this could result in a trade. Obviously, as you just heard, the reports are out there that it's a real possibility. That's what I keep hearing. It's a real possibility, which does make me think every time you say it's a possibility, you're you're lying to us. Like, why? It's a real possibility. Are the other ones fake possibility? It's a real possibility, says, says Adam Schefter, that the Packers will trade Aaron Rodgers. And what I'll say is this. I don't think that happens, meaning I don't think the Packers are, are even considering it if the last four years, four-ish years, aren't so drama-filled for for Rodgers. If Rodgers has the exact same career that he's had up to this point, right, the one Super Bowl, the four MVPs, the good seasons, the bad seasons, the run with McCarthy, takes over with LaFleur, if he has the same career exactly, but acted like Peyton Manning with the media, right, if he does the, the I, I'm just here for the team, I love, we're just working hard, I'm going to say a lot while saying nothing, I'll have one funny turn on SNL. Everyone will make that my my personality for the rest of my career. And then after I win a Super Bowl to end my career, I'll say Bud Light and everyone will laugh. Like if he goes with the Peyton Manning crafted image, I think the Packers let him age in whatever way he wants. I think at this point in his career, if he says, I want Devontae Adams back, they'll go, we'll do everything we possibly can. We'll pay you. Right? We'll pay you a ton of money because you're our guy, Right? I think teams, if you are just, even by, by pure appearance, recklessly dedicated to a franchise and give, give 15, 16, 17 great years, they'll eat a couple bad years on the end as, as a, a, I'll do you a solid. Right? I always kind of point to the, the, the late great Kobe Bryant's final deal with the Lakers. The guy was way past his prime, and they were like, two years, 50 million? Is that good? And and that was before two years, 50 million was, was a thing in the NBA. It was just like, yeah, we'll give you a bunch of money at the end here because we had a 
we got five championships because of you. Like, appreciate it. I think that exists. But if you make, like, difficult with with uh, cryptic communication styles, like uh, cryptic information passing and 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 drama filled existences like I, I don't know how do you describe Aaron Rodgers last couple of years uh I, I don't know if I want to play I do want to play I want you to treat the veterans better I want you to sign newer players that are better but I have to trust them but then I'm in the the not there for the offseason program and then I'm here and I'm 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 playing karaoke with a guitar and it's an empty karaoke bar but there's a movie star tweeting about it. like if you go through all of that and I could have kept going I could have just kept mumbling things that sounded ridiculous but at some point in time over the last four years actually happened. But if you make, if you make like diff- life difficult in that way for your franchise, they probably feel less disloyal, right? They, they feel less gross about themselves if they, they ship you to the Jets. Which, by the way, are one of the teams that are being very, very highly considered. Right? Like, it's like any job. If you're working for a job and your your boss is super loyal and your boss, every time you need him comes through. And if you ever have a, Hey, something crazy popped up. Can I push this to tomorrow? And I need to, yeah, go ahead. What can we do to help if they do that? And, and, and then you, I don't know, have an opportunity to take another job at another company. You feel kind of bad, right? You're like, eh, you know what? Maybe I'll, let me talk it out with them. Meanwhile, if they had treated you treated you bad along the way, you, you start logging that away. I'm not going to feel bad at all when I leave here. Part of me thinks the Packers are kind of like, I'm not going to feel bad at all if we ship this guy out of town. It's not to say he's not a great quarterback, not to say we didn't have good years. But it is to say, the last four years I've been walking the park for us. Appreciate it. Now you go find a trade partner, and I know Aaron Rodgers has to sign off on it, like uh, in in theory, right? But if there's more money out there, someone's going to renegotiate, or if the Packers make it very obvious they don't want him back, what is he going to do? Especially when there's a team like the Jets out there. Mike Tannenbaum on Get Up talking about the Jets. You certainly could do it. It's somewhat complicated with this contract, so you want to do it before the options exercise. But basically, you would call up Green Bay. Candidly, I would have done it two weeks ago and say, hey, I want to talk to the agent, and I want to sit down with Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, look, I'm not looking for a two-year sort of relationship here. This is for the next 50 years. You come to New York, this could be transformative. Look at Michael Strahan. Look at Nate Burleson. You want to meet with heads of state at the U.N., you want to meet with heads of media, (laughs) banking, whatever you want to do, Aaron Rodgers, we are going to make this the transformative move of your life. So you can go to Tennessee and play football, but we're talking about something much bigger. I love it. I mean, I think it's kind of ridiculous, but I love it. I love if you're the Jets saying it's not about football. It's genius. They've been been trying the football thing forever, and that's not working. So we're kind of close in proximity to the UN. How can we work that into the conversation? Heads of media. I don't know how they would reach you in Green Bay. Zoom? Like any meeting Aaron Rodgers could get in New York City, Aaron Rodgers could get because he's Aaron Rodgers. Peyton Manning owns a whole production company. Basically because a couple years ago, he was Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers wanted to meet with heads of media, he could talk with heads of media. But I love the Jets throwing it out there. 
No, no, don't leave any ammunition in the chamber. If you can smoke them, if you got them. But really, do you know what it's going to take to get Aaron Rodgers? Probably two first round picks. It's going to have nothing to do with, with, uh, and $60 million, maybe more if he wants to re-up. Like, that's what it's going to take. Not crafty free agent pitches about living in New York City. It's like, have you ever seen uh, the Comedy Cellar? If you ever need to giggle, it's right here in town. Sure, you could watch stand-up comedy on Netflix, but the Comedy Cellar is right here. I, ju- I just think if he would have, like there's there's a couple, you know, let's go multiverse with it, right? If you can go back and change history, what could be different? He could be like the Derek Jeter of of Green Bay in that, and Robbie, you're a Yankees fan, but I'm sure you'll you'll agree with this. At the end, Derek Jeter left some things to be be desired from his play at shortstop. Agreed. But everyone was like, but he's Derek Jeter. How much money does he want? We'll sign on the dotted line. He could be there with with Green Bay. But instead, he made it much more drama-filled. So at the end, they were like, yeah, you know what? You see what Zach Wilson is doing? Does that look fun? Get on in there. Tim Donnelly Show, ESPN Radio 94.1. Let's go to the call in line, which is open, 757-687-9494. Brian in Chesapeake has some comments on the Rogers conversation. Brian, thanks for calling in. What do you have to say? I, if, uh, wherever he goes, if they let him get back on the ayahuasca, he'll be back to his former <laughs> self. All right. Is that true? Is that your whole, whole point to make? Yep. All right. Appreciate it. Um, if they let him, I don't know if any team's going to let him, but I mean, I don't I think gonna, they're going to prevent him. You think Green Bay signed off on it ahead of time? You think he went in for permission? Hey, Gude Kunst, before I head out for the weekend, Going to take a couple weeks off here in the offseason, let my body uh, regenerate. I'm also thinking about going to a Central American country, hiking to the top of a mountain and taking some hallucinogenics. Just wanted to make sure I got the A-OK before I go through with it. Can you imagine? Team trades two first-round picks for him. Gives him $60 million, maybe $70 million guaranteed. He rolls in excited, ready to get to work. Just want to get you to OK a few things. I'm thinking about having all the wide receivers out to my house in California. We're going to work out. Um, do you think it's okay if I bring my nutritionist into the locker room? I just I want him close to me. Not not during the season, just off season when we're kicking around. Uh, and how do you feel about ayahuasca in a Central American country? Two out of three, perfect. Tim Donnelly Show, ESPN Radio, 94.1. Uh, Jason Fitz, the host of Fitz and Harry, which you can hear weekdays, uh, noon to three, right here on ESPN Radio, 94.1. is going to jump on the phone line, join the show. Coming up next, stick around. Studying film or setting up the game plan? He has football covered from under center. The Tim Donnelly Show on ESPN Radio, 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, ESPN Radio 94.1. Joining us on the phone lines, Jason Fitz, host of Fitz and Harry. You can hear it weekdays, noon to three, right here on 94.1. So uh, we appreciate the lead-in, and we also appreciate you joining us, uh, Fitz. So um, so first, I'm going to deal with some congratulations here. I saw on your Twitter that you placed your just about your whole bankroll on the Bengals going into their game against the Bills. <laughs> We're, we're we're all about winning bets around here. So so, what made you so confident? And and are you still looking for the same tips and triggers on the on the Bengals going into this week? I think the, the a couple of things made me really confident on this one. 
Uh, number one was the, the Bengals' uh, offense is clicking on all cylinders. We all know that. But even more important for this matchup, the Bills' defense has not been particularly great over the course of the last couple of months. Without Von Miller, we all know the sack numbers are way down, but even the quarterback hits, quarterback pressures are way down. I know it's a decimated offensive line, but it really felt like they were going to test the Bills' defense, particularly not just the pass rush, but also the tackling. Went back with Harry and watched a bunch of Bills games. They just have not been fundamentally sound tackling, as, as crazy as that sounds for a team that is as highly regarded as the Bills. So all I kept looking at is, look, we've seen Joe Burrow be able to get just knocked out and continually, uh, continually throw the football even when he doesn't have any protection up front. So I felt like it was a mismatch the whole way around. This one gets a little trickier for me because I don't know – if the Bengals can get away with anything in the Chris Jones world, right? Like, you know, when you, I, I happen to be a dabbler, let's say, and uh, <laughs> I love Chris Jones uh, for just being able to come in and game wreck. Like, in my mind, Chris, Chris Jones by himself is going to have two or three sacks in this game and a bunch of pressures. So the question is, can they get rid of the ball quickly? I think there's going to be a ton of screens in this game also because they're going to try and see if they can bait the Chiefs into going too far upfield. So I do like the Bengals in the matchup. Uh, I like the Bengals anyway. I'm not as confident. Last week, I I literally did go in and just say, hey, everything in the account, let's put it all on the Bengals' money line, Uh, did that. This week, I'm still going to bet the Bengals, but I'm going to do it with a little bit more caution in this. But I definitely like like the running backs to pick up a bunch of catches because of the screen game also, Uh, and I like both offenses to be able to produce. All right, so so as somebody that maybe saw the the, the flaws in, in the Bills better than most, how much shaking up should happen this season for Buffalo? It seems like the last few years it's been, well, let's just run it back and maybe we'll get a little bit luckier in the playoffs in the previous year. And, and now they're three years into this little, you know, window and, and they have nothing to show for it as far as, you know, Super Bowl appearances and championships. Should there be a major shakeup in Buffalo? I love this question because, yeah, I mean, I think the answer is yes. They're not built in a way that right now can take down. Like if you're the Bills, I don't think you're worried about the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets. If you're the Bills right now, you're worried about, you know, obviously the Chiefs and the Bengals moving forward. So the question is, how do you disrupt? There's going to have to be a couple of things that you be you need to be able to do well. You need to be able to get after the passer. I believe that they've tried, but they just haven't been able to figure that out. You're also going to have to be able to cover anybody, anytime, anywhere. Like this is the way these two offenses are built are very different when you're talking about the rest of the AFC. But there's a very real perception here that you got to cover two different ways. Mahomes, you got to cover off schedule. Burrow, you've got to have three people that can cover at the highest possible level. So, you know, I think the Bills need to really look at that. And then they need to ask themselves if they're built to win in, at home. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you got, I think, one of the best home field advantages in all of sports, and the Bengals were better built to take advantage of it. The Bills need to figure out how to consistently run the football. And I don't think that's just players. I think that's a philosophy from Ken Dorsey and from the coaching staff in general that starts in November, October. You know, we – I've been, again, sitting with Harry for a couple of months now. The number of times he's been saying, look, it's the lack of commitment to getting the run game right that's going to bite him in the butt. He was 100% right about that. Ultimately, that, I think, cost them. So they need to address physicality on both sides of the ball. They need to address some help coverage. And I think they need to really look in the mirror and say, are you taking advantage of this window right now? Because the answer to that, squarely no. Like the Bills, I know that, you know, they're so beloved, we don't talk about them this way, but they're not they're not judged by division championships right now. They're judged by Super Bowl runs and they still haven't gotten one. Jason Fitz, Fitz, host of Fitz and Harry weekdays twelve to three, right here on ESPN Radio ninety four point one. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Fitz. 
Uh, it doesn't always happen this way, Jason, but I think we all love it when it does. It, it feels like the four remaining teams are the, the correct four teams, like they're, they're the best four teams. Should should we be preparing, especially if Buffalo doesn't solve some of the things that you mentioned, for a whole bunch of San Francisco, Philadelphia, Kansas City, and Cincy conference championship weekends over the next 10 years? The only thing that makes this one interesting on the San Francisco front is, you know, realistically, San Francisco has hit so many home runs in the draft. I, they're just better than everybody at drafting right now. I, I mean, it's still Brock Purdy, right? <laughs> so the question becomes, what do you do when you have to pay everybody? Because it, it's going to be a little like Seattle. they got a lot of guys that are going to have to be paid by Seattle back in the day. Uh, I, I think it's interesting to see how they continue to restock the cupboard. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I have nothing but total faith in Philadelphia, particularly Howie Roseman's ability to do that. Uh, the, the 49ers continually are showing you that they're better run, and John Lynch is doing a better job than he ever got credit for. So, yeah. I mean, those two teams can squarely look around. If you're the Cowboys right now, you've got to be aggressive. You've got to figure out what's going to make you sort of what's going to close that gap. And in the AFC, it's interesting because I honestly believe if you are a fan of an AFC team, you're going to have to watch your team continually just take swings at, at, at bat. Like they're going to have to take at bats to try and find a quarterback because you're competing against Mahomes. You're competing against Allen. You're competing against Pearl. I mean, I think that trio of quarterbacks can be as dominant as Brady Manning and uh, big Ben were for a whole generation too. So now, you know, you got those guys and they're all 25, right? 26. So you've got 10 years left of this. So yeah, everybody in the AFC needs to get used to the fact that these are the front runners, which means do you take a, a chance on Bryce Young? You wouldn't usually take, cause you know, you don't have a Patrick Mahomes. I think the answer to that is, yeah, you're going to see teams take leverage risk in the draft just to try and get a Mahomes or Burrow comp. Which one of the three is Big Ben? Uh, I think Josh Allen is Big Ben. He's, ah. he's, he's still got like he's still got a little bit of room in my mind, you know. And and I know we were tough on Josh coming out, and now we've gone sort of the opposite direction. But there are some things in in Josh's game that I think are more concerning right now. If you're telling me I'm starting a, a franchise with Joe Burrow, God, I'm, I'm all in on that. I'm the happiest fan on earth. If you're still telling me I'm starting with Patrick Mahomes. I'm laughing at you because you didn't take him first, right? Like, it's those two. But Josh Allen still has some moments where he pushes the football unnecessarily. He puts the ball at risk where he doesn't have to. There are times where you just question some of the decisions he makes. So I think, you know, while you're talking about three epic quarterbacks, there's a little bit of a gap between where Josh Allen is. So that makes him Big Ben. Big Ben, great. But Big Ben, not quite on the same level as Brady and Manning. I think, you know, as great as all of them were. Jason, last one before we let you go, and, and we're talking with Jason Fitz, leads in right before this show every day right here on ESPN Radio 94.1. Uh, if you're the GM of the Giants, we'll go from the team still playing to to the team that's golfing and fishing. Actually, Buffalo is too. Uh, at the end of this offseason, if you're the GM of the Giants, do one, both, or neither of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley have long-term contracts? I think you're going to have to long-term contract Daniel Jones, and it's going to be for a lot more money than most people think. You don't have another option. You know, you, you just – there isn't another guy sitting out there. And, you know, our ESPN Plus article today uh, from insiders around the league projected that Justin Herbert is going to join Joe Burrow at north of $50 million a year this offseason. So Justin Herbert, who has zero playoff wins, is worth $50 million. Daniel Jones isn't going to sit here and take a $30 million deal like let's – Let's be real about that. So I think they're going to have to uncomfortably play, pay Daniel Jones. And then, really, Saquon becomes interesting. I wouldn't be surprised to see him franchised, but 
You know, look at Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. A lot of similarities. Two guys that have battled injuries. Two guys coming off huge years when their contracts needed it. I mean, I, I wonder which one's going to blink first because both of them are going to get paid on the market. So I think franchising Daniel, or uh, sorry, franchising Saquon, signing Daniel Jones to a four-year deal, and just realizing that you got no choice but to bite the bullet on that one. But the Giants got a, got a ton of money they can spend this offseason. So next thing up is you've got to go out and get some wide receivers to help this offense. Jason, we appreciate you stopping by. We'll check back in next week when we uh, when we know what the Super Bowl matchup will be. Can't wait. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. Once again, that is Jason Fitz, host of Fitz and Harry, weekdays noon to three, right here on ESPN Radio ninety four point one. We appreciate him stopping by. Uh, it's time for winners and losers here on the Tim Donnelly Show, which means. You have to head to our text line right now, 757-687-9494. That's the Pitbull Tobacco and More text line. And send in who you think is winning and who you think is losing in the sports world. Who are your winners and losers? 757-687-9494. And if you want to tell us yourself, your own voice, you can call in. Same number, 757-687-9494. Winners and losers coming up next. On this show, we like to point out the good. That's good. The bad. Oh, that's bad. And the ugly. I'm certainly grateful to be ugly. It's time to pick the winners and losers of the week. Winners win and losers lose. On the Tim Donnelly Show, ESPN Radio 94.1. Winners and losers, Tim Donnelly Show, ESPN Radio 94.1. Send them in. Call them in. Who are your winners and losers in the sports world right now? 757 687 9494. I'll kick it off to show you how it gets started. Uh, winner, boring, safe decision makers. Winner. Four quarterbacks, starters, threw interceptions this past weekend. Four starters did not throw interceptions this past weekend. The four that threw interceptions all lost. The four that didn't all won. All you have to do is not throw the ball to the other team. You win. Be boring, be safe. Don't let anyone else get their hands on the ball. Tim, I got a winner. How about Mac Jones? Winning. He's finally got an offensive coordinator. I don't. I know he's had one. Just an offensive I, coordinator. Right. He's got an offensive coordinator. One guy that has been given the title offensive coordinator. I think that's nothing but good news for Mac Jones. I'm not sure if Mac Jones is the guy or is a guy, but I think this is definitely going to help with his kind of his progress being a quarterback in the NFL. Can't be much worse. Agreed. Being offensively coached by defensive coaches can't be much worse. Uh, From the 757 on the text line, Pitbull Tobacco and more text line, winner, Tom Brady. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Loser, Greg Olson in the NBC booth. The her? I actually thought Greg Olson got a lot of positive press this past weekend. And it's the Fox booth, by the way. But I know what you meant. Uh, Greg, Greg Olson, he got a lot of... A lot of positive press this past weekend. Also, he gets to call the Super Bowl. If he does a very, very good job in the Super Bowl, I'm not saying Brady won't take his job. Brady will take his job if he wants it because it's Tom Brady. But you do a great job in the Super Bowl. You kind of solidify yourself uh, in some kind of premier role in football media. And I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, from the 757, potential winner. What, do you have a sounder for potential winner, Robbie? No. You mixed them up. Uh, potential winner from the 757, my Denver Broncos, if we are able to land Sean Payton. 
So if it's a potential winner, it could also be a potential loser. That's why I mixed, mixed them up. I you got to give up, say, two first-round picks for Sean Payton. I think the Broncos roster has more needs than just coach. But, hey, maybe just seeing Russell improve is all you're looking for. Uh, Tim Donnelly Show, winners and losers. You can keep the winners and losers coming to the call line and the text line. Uh, let's go to the call line. This one feels personal. Donovan in Virginia Beach, who we all know is a, is a Raiders fan. Uh, he has a loser for us. You can call in as well, 757-687-9494. Donovan, thanks for calling in. What do you have? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, the loser, the Raiders regime, man. They, so, so check this out, Rob. Tim Donald, it's for the sabotage car. Try to blame the season on him after they brought in Devontae Adams, right? They still didn't resign, you know what I'm saying, extend Josh Jacobs after he becomes a leading league, you know what I'm saying, rusher. And now they got Darren Waller and Hunter Ruffer on the trade block. What is this regime doing, bro? I, I thought we wasn't rebuilding. Matter of fact, long story short, hey, Robbie, A. Hey, like John Wick, man, excommunicado this regime, man. I give you a couple gold coins to get him out of here, man. They don't know what they're doing, bro. Now we got Sean Payne coming to, coming to this division, man, and this is where we're going, right? I, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know what to do, bro. Donovan, I appreciate the call. Uh that's that's a fan right there, and I did see today Darren Waller and, and Hunter Renfro are on the trade block, and it's all about Josh McDaniels bringing in his guys. I would not be stoked if Josh McDaniels were the head coach of my favorite team. That's why a fan of the Raiders just called in and said the Raiders regime were, were the losers. Uh, I'll give you another one of mine. Loser, Bill's GM Brandon Bean. What a loser! He put together a great roster if they played in a dome. The problem is they play outside in Buffalo. They can't run the football. If they played in Detroit, I'd be all right with it. If they played in a southern city with an outdoor stadium, I'd be fine with it. If they played in LA, I'd be fine with it. They play in Buffalo. Lake effect snow, and they can't run the ball. Matter of fact, maybe Brandon Bean should just be Trade him. Say, hey, listen, I'll do what I did in Buffalo for you, Tampa Bay. Same exact thing. It'll just work here, right? It's like I I was foolish. I built a snow cone stand in Antarctica. That's not to say I'm not good at building snowball stands or snow cone stands. It just means I built it in the wrong place. Let's go back to the text line. Uh, From the 321. It's an awesome area code. Uh, winner, whoever wears number 12 on the next team Brady goes to. Winner. I'd argue that person is a winner. I'd argue that person is a big winner because they're going to get paid every which way. Uh, actually, there's a great story. A Giants kicker, uh, Feagles. Was it Feagles? It was, yes. Had Plaxico. He was wearing 17. Plaxico showed up and like sent his whole Plaxico sent his whole family on vacation. Uh, and then he was like, all right, I don't need 17. I'll go to number 10. Eli shows up and Eli like remodeled his kitchen because he wanted the number. If you're wearing number 12, actually Brady might be too obviously 12 where they take it away from you and give it to him without negotiations. You need someone that's rich, but not that famous and powerful. That's the, the, the sweet spot right there. Like whoever has number four, wherever Derek Carr goes, Derek Carr is going to break him off some kind of gift or a check or something. And Carr's not powerful that, like, as soon as he signs with the team, the GM's going to go find whoever's number four and just take it away from him. 
Uh, let's go back to the call-in line. Daniel in Virginia Beach has some losers. Oh, man. Buffalo's Buffalo's getting pushed around here during winners and losers. Uh, Daniel, thanks for calling in. What is your uh, What is your loser? Oh, I got. I'll follow you up with the Brandon Bean. I got two losers. My offensive coordinator for my and my defensive coordinator for my Bills, uh, Leslie Frazier, seemed like he didn't know how to do anything to stop the Bengals. And Ken Dorsey seems like all he wants to do is throw bombs, even on third and two, third and two call, third and two possessions. I mean, it just it was a play. It was a horrible. Both sides of the ball was horrible to call the corner by both the OC and the DC for Buffalo. Damn, just horrible. Appreciate the call in, Daniel. The call in line is 757-687-9494. I feel like we need a little bit of a... A lot of emotional fans today. Yeah, I love it. I feel like we need a little bit of an optimistic turn here, so I'm going to go with a winner. I'll give you a winner. Chad Henney. Winning. Has anyone gotten a better press out of 23 passing yards in the history of the world? He went 5 of 7, 23 passing yards, one touchdown, then tagged back out. You good? All right, fine. You get back out there. It's not that hard. Look what I just did. Do you know who had the best passer rating of the week? Chad Henney. How about that? Patrick Mahomes, second. Jalen Hurts, third. First, Chad Henney. Henney time anywhere. Another winner? Max Sharping. Winner, winner, chicken. This one's one of mine. Could I, I could be mispronouncing that. Max Sharping was cut by the Texans in the preseason. Signed by the Bengals, started for the Bengals at right guard as part of a makeshift line that they scrapped together because everybody got hurt, and then they bullied the Bills. It's all about bullying the Bills in this Winners and Losers segment. Uh, (laughs) What else you got, Robbie? I got a winner, Shohei Otani. Our Moreno said he wasn't selling the team, which obviously means he's bringing everybody back. He's going to break the bank for everybody involved. So that means extensions for for Trout again. Shohei Otani is going to get tremendous amounts of money, whether he stays with the Angels or he goes somewhere else because Moreno's going to drive up the price. Shohei is going to get $75 million a year by the time this is all over. And I think it's because Moreno didn't want to sell the team. He wants to stick around. He wants to make the Los Angeles Angels relevant in baseball. And I think Shohei is where you start. Loser? I got one for you. Jacksonville linebackers and safeties. You're such a loser. 14 catches for Travis Kelsey. 14? 17 targets? 98 yards, two touchdowns. Guard the guy. We'll go one more from the text line here. One more. One more from the 757. This is going to be some mental gymnastics. Winner, Dak. Winner. And then they go dot, dot, dot after he's traded. I don't... I don't... I don't see that happening. I don't, first of all, I don't see him being traded because of the money. Second of all... Is he going to go find a more talented supporting cast somewhere else? I think Dak probably would be on the other side of winners and losers, but you send it in, so it's on you, 757. Uh, You can keep the texts and calls coming if you'd like on winners and losers, uh, but we're going to move on. When we come back, the Patriots hired Bill O'Brien. A baby step is what I'm calling it in the right direction for that Patriots offensive regime. Stick around. The Philip Rivers conundrum. The Darren McFadden effect and the Ring of Honor complex. Don't worry. 
Tim will explain everything. The Tim Donnelly Show on ESPN Radio 94.1. The most obvious move of the offseason, most obvious move of the offseason, finally was announced earlier today. Uh, A baby step in the right direction for the Patriots. They hired Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator of Alabama. You all know Bill O'Brien, B-O-B. Bill O.B., Bob, O.B., whatever you want to call him. He's been in our lives for a while, and now he's going to be the offensive coordinator of the Patriots, a move that, as you'll hear here from Mike Reese on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, has Belichick's fingerprints all over it. Uh, Very much so. The Bill Belichick move. I, I think what what happened was after at the end of the season, he had realized that he had miscalculated with his plan from last year, in which he didn't name an official coordinator. Had Matt Patricia as the primary play caller, despite his primary background being on defense in the NFL, and he he knew he had to go back to the drawing board. And I think he felt fortunate, Max, that Bill O'Brien was available to him. Now I say baby step in the right direction. Because it is an offensive coach. Bill O'Brien cannot be disguised or made up to be like a linebacker's coach, which is what was essentially running the offense last year, was a special teams guy and a defensive guy. Um, I would have liked somebody who wasn't already a part of the Patriots' inner circle. Right, I would have liked somebody with fresh, new, not going to come in there doing some impression of what they think Coach Belichick wants. I would have liked fresh, but I'll settle for an offensive coordinator. I'll settle for an offensive coach. I'll settle for the offensive coordinator from Alabama. And reportedly, he worked with Mac Jones in college during the pre-draft process. He got to Alabama right after Mac Jones's career uh, as, as a starting quarterback at Bama came to a close, but he worked with them in the lead up to the draft. So you can't, I mean, can't hurt to already have a little bit of a relationship with the guy you're going to be building the offense around. But I really hope, really, like, and, and by the way, I have no rooting interest for the Patriots. So when I say I really hope, what I mean is I really in the interest of every NFL team being the best they possibly can and in players being given every chance to succeed that they possibly can, I really hope Bill Bill O'Brien doesn't try to patriotify, like like Belichickify his offense. Right? Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots in 2011, and he was an assistant coach three years before that working with positions including quarterbacks. His offense... His view on offense, his outlook on offense was was one thing back in 2011. Then O'Brien went out and lived life, right? He went and ran an offense that was led by Deshaun Watson. And, and that is a different experience than what you get with the Patriots. He went out to Alabama right after being run out of town with the Texans, he went out to Alabama and ran a high-flying offense led by Bryce Young. And I'm high-flying, Jamison Williams running downfield, wide open, all the speed in the world, right? He, he, he led an offense that was very modern. Don't go back to New England and think you have to run the ball two-thirds of the time or you have to play Belichickian, patriotified offense. Go there and... Mix it. Be a hybrid. Because 
I can't take another year of watching a, a, a good defense with some talent on offense look like they're stuck in 1997 while, while everybody else in the league is fast-forward zooming into the future. With Brady, they were able to, to be dragged into modern times by Brady, and since he left, it feels like they're going in reverse, going like, this is what's always worked. Without Brady, we need to go back to the tried and true. I want Bill O'Brien to go, no, 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 no. Without Brady, we need to innovate. Ramondre Stevenson's a really interesting piece. Really interesting piece. Use him in all the varied ways you can. You pay a lot of money to two tight ends. Be versatile. Have two guys on the field that they don't know if they're both going to be attached to the line of scrimmage and you're going to run the ball attached to the line on either side or one attached to the line, one is a fullback, or if you're going to go five wide. You don't have a number one wide receiver, but you got like five number two and a halves. Use them all. Jacoby Myers, Bourne, uh, uh, Devontae Parker. Use them all. Tyquan Thornton, the guy who you just used a high draft pick on. Use them all. And don't angle. This this already has me a little concerned. Mike Reese on Keyshawn J. Will and Max later in the conversation was asked, is Brian, oh, sorry, O'Brien going to be the Patriots' next head coach? It's possible because when you look at Bill O'Brien's track record in Houston as a head coach, they had four division titles down there and some of their greatest success as a franchise. The one point I would make on that is they've had some other movement on their staff uh, this offseason with a, a rising assistant, Gerard Mayo, the former linebacker for them, who is going to get an elevated title. And Gerard Mayo could easily be in that conversation key as a potential successor down the line in addition to someone like Bill O'Brien. I don't even want that conversation slipping into O'Brien's brain right now. I don't want him thinking next head coach of the Patriots. I want him thinking, what do I have to do to make Mac Jones slightly better? And by the way, I do think Gerard Mayo would be the one in line for that. He's the one that's turned down head coaching opportunities or at least opportunities to interview for head coaching jobs to stay as the linebackers coach for the Patriots. If he's not, if he doesn't have an end game there somewhere, the Kikitan High School Hampton native needs to get the heck out of Dodge. Bill O'Brien went and tried his deal as the, the head coach. It worked for a while and then it didn't. Now let him run the offense. And the other part is everyone defensive Belichick, Mayo, the other Belichick, the other Belichick, uh, they have to kind of go hands-off with the offense. They brought in O'Brien. You kind of have to say, that side of the ball is yours. Obviously, Belichick will call timeouts and decide whether they go for it on fourth. But other than that, the defensive guys have to stay on the defensive side. Tim Donnelly Show, ESPN Radio, 94.1. Kansas City is an underdog. As of this morning, they were one-and-a-half-point underdogs to Kansas City. I've seen it get as high as two. It's a compliment to the Chiefs. I'll tell you why coming up next.